Your event is starting. And we're live, I think. Bloody hell. It is Sunday the 26th, the 25th of June. Very careful there. Now, I was thinking of making a special intro to this in the same way that all the Snappy Tech intros have their own little, like, square intro, but that took, like, more than five minutes of effort, so I decided against it. So instead, you're stuck with this. And today, we have our special guest, Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, everybody. And I got extremely, um, like... Are you mildly deaf? No, for, for a second there, my stream decided to start playing the audio, and I realised that I didn't mute it. So it's kind of uh, Illuminati confirmed moment. Oh, no. And, uh... The Illuminati are real. Wait, you mean they're not confirmed as of, as of now? Right the second? They're yeah. Not, the Illuminati are not yet confirmed. Snappy Tech have confirmed the Illuminati <laughs> So... Good news, guys. We have a one-hour show where we talk about technology, tech, and everything relating to it. So, mostly just more technology, really. However, we have a list of topics me and Paul have to talk about over the next hour or so, depending on how it goes. Uh, the cool part is, I actually also asked Paul to grab a couple of his own topics, which I know nothing about. We'll get to those later on in the show. These are things that, you know, he could. I told him, go wild. doesn't have to be related to tech. But, you know, bit of fun, bit of a conversation, see what's going on. However, though, how do you want to kick this off? What do you want to talk about first? Um, this is your show, you can pick. Should we go? So what is going to be the first ever topic of a Snappy Tech podcast? I reckon we should start off with the OnePlus and the OnePlus 5. That's, that's that probably a solid standing point, starting point. I feel like that's a topic we both have enough knowledge on, but we can talk about without having to refer to the notes every 30 yes. seconds so what what did you think oneplus 5 if you're not aware of this oneplus announced their new phone the oneplus 5 uh earlier this week i actually did a live stream about the well i, I live streamed the event basically um which i found a lot of fun which is the reason we're now doing this podcast because i decided it meant i needed to be live more so yeah what did what do you think snapdragon 835 six or eight gigabytes of ram 64 to 128 gigabytes of storage dual cameras on the back this is a very serious piece of kit and is the most expensive phone in oneplus history 450 pounds for the base model 500 for the extra storage and memory what's your opinion on the device well first of all have you ever noticed that OnePlus Five are uh, OnePlus with the OnePlus Five are actually trying to show off the camera? I mean, you can't tell except for the fact every single thing is about the camera. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've stopped talking about that camera yet. I think they're still. Yeah, they are. It's even branded on the box. It's a yes. good camera. Yeah, the, the tagline looks... is dual camera, like clearer photos or something. I think that might be it. Dual camera, clearer photos. That sounds about right. It looks very good, but at the same point, it would be nice to hear something else apart from the camera. Um, <laughs> yes, they're, but... they're um, well, this this was kind of expected though going into it, right? They had mm. the um, they they had their releasing of information, right? The first thing they mentioned was that it would have an eight three five, and then the second thing they mentioned and the sort of the teaser for the event was. Oh, by the way, we're working with DxO Mark to make our camera the best in the world, right? Yeah. That was that was the biggest selling point of this phone, even before the press conference. And now we know why. 
Yes, very much so. And, um, yeah, it does look like an awesome camera. But the thing is, with phones nowadays, that is actually the main selling point because we've started trading in our big, expensive DSLR cameras or even small, crappy, compact ones for just using phone cameras. Um, yeah, and it, it's, there's, you know, there's a school of thought on this, that the best camera you own is the one you have with you, regardless of situation, right? So for most people... Yeah. You know, they have their phone on them 24-7, therefore, most of the time, it's the best camera they own. And we're mm. getting into a place which is really exciting where Casey Neistat had major backlash the other day. He released a video that, um, you know, mail may not be an advert. Um, you know, it's a bit sketchy, but, you know, because it's got like a full-on film crew... And the, the reason that people went, wait a second, is this an ad? Is because right at the end, the last 10 seconds, it says, like, this was all filmed on the Samsung Galaxy S8, right? So that was the only reason people ever went, wait a second, is this an advert? So, you know, but it's crazy how you can take a mobile phone and get professional-grade video out of it at this point. In that case, though... Because uh, did you see the equipment they used? Oh yeah, it was that, it was I mean, all rigged up. Yeah, it was rigged that, up like proper cameras. Yeah, it's beyond just using a phone camera at that point. Because they were using like special lenses, all the, completely the, the, custom stuff. Really, the lenses weren't custom. I think um, the, the way they were used was custom. Yeah, but I know the lenses. You can actually buy a phone case for your S mm. for an S eight, which gives you that lens on the back of your phone. Uh, but I think what Samsung did is they probably, with a few of them, they decided to bypass that and just built it straight into the phone for exactly the situation, right? Where you don't want to be carrying around a case. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's um, so back to the OnePlus Five. Um, yes. It's it's interesting. It's gotten a bit of mixed reviews. Um, none of the, none of them have been bad. That's that's worth noting, right? No one has gone, oh, the OnePlus Five is the worst phone in history. Um, but everyone, there seem, to, there seem to be two main talking points, right? The cameras, um, actually, both main talking points of the cameras. The cameras yeah. and their quality, because, you know, OnePlus were really pushing it. And it seems that most reviews have gone, yeah, they're, they're, they're above average, right? They're, they're good, but they're not the best. And there are people discussing how much of that is the software behind it and the algorithms behind it and how much of that is the sensors themselves. Uh, it does have twenty to sixteen to twenty megapixels, depending on which camera you're using. So the selfie camera is sixteen megapixels, with the ones on the back. The telephoto, the wider lens is uh, twenty megapixels, and the standard lens is sixteen. But there's a discussion there to be had about, you know, the camera quality is all right by the looks of it, as opposed to the best camera you've ever seen. Hmm. Yeah. That. There's really something in advertising these days that if you're going to say it's the best you've ever seen, then you really need to at least be breaking the top two or three. Yeah. So yeah. it's a bit of um, if if you're gonna if you're gonna brag about something, make sure you've got the the quality to back it up. Especially in a situation where right. So if if we were you know if I was making a phone call at ten fifteen years ago and I went oh mine has the best camera ever, right? Mm. Everyone go, ooh, really? And, you know, buy one, try it, whatever. Nowadays, because reviews are so readily available, the moment someone makes a claim that this is the best camera ever, there are hundreds of YouTubers who are lining up to test it in a million different ways. 
and make sure it actually is. And, you know, DxOMark and the fact that OnePlus were working with DxOMark to make their camera the best quality possible really shows that off. Yeah, it's, um, the internet has done a wonderful thing for the industry uh, because it brings out the, yeah, you can see a phone is really good and you can learn about it a lot more, but if you do make a mistake, then it's going to be out there very much so as well. So it's uh, a mixed bag, but it's very useful because back, I mean, back in the day, if you was, oh, that sounds really like old person-y. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> if you wanted to buy something, you looked at the product page and like you wouldn't really find much out about it. But now when you look at a product page, then you can go on looking reviews, like videos, text reviews, and you get so much information. So it's great for consumers now though, because you actually know what you're buying. Though for companies, bit of a mixed bag because of that. I think the interesting, so I've just done a quick Google search for the DxO Mark score that OnePlus got on OnePlus 5 because, you know, they partnered mm. up, you know, wondering what they got. They haven't actually released a score yet, and I'm currently on the OnePlus forum reading a thread. Uh, they're all guessing how high they think it will be. Um, what's really interesting, however, is looking at the DxO Mark rankings, the highest rated on there is currently actually the HTC U11 which just launched, uh, like, a few weeks ago. Um, so that's number one at 90 points. In second place is the Google Pixel, which you know, most people kind of expected. In third place, um, in terms of, so 90, 89, right? So those are the top two scores. 88 for, like, joint third is the uh, highest-end Xperia, the S7 Edge and the S8, because they actually have the same sensor. Uh, they mm -hmm. actually didn't, they changed nothing on... The cameras between the seven and eight. Um, I suppose if you've got it right, then what's the point? <laughs> exactly right, and there's there's only so much you can change. And when they first announced that, I assumed that you know they were like the same number of pixels. I was like, oh, they've probably you know increased the aperture or given it slightly larger pixels. Nope, mm. literally the same sensor. Um, HTC Ten is also on the on that eighty eight. So the last two HTC phones, the flagships in the camera department at least, have been top notch. Which is a long stretch from their old, um, what, was their, what was their old tagline for their pixels? Was it Ultra Pixel? Yes, like the Ultra Pixel. Yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, there. they were like, oh, these pixels are so massive that we can't even call them megapixels. We call yeah. them Ultra Pixels. Uh, that it's failed. That failed so miserably. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, oh. the iPhone 7 is um, not at 88, nor is it at 87. It's actually at 86. Which puts it on par with the S6 Edge, which is, you know, two years old. Um, the 7 Plus doesn't seem to be on this list. Uh, so I'm just assuming they didn't benchmark that separately. Because it's, it's, it's not, not mentioned. So, yeah, because this goes all the way down to, like, LG G4. So, I'm, yeah, it's probably just not being benchmarked, I would assume. But yeah, it's um, it's a tough day to be OnePlus. So yeah, the, the second piece of news to come out of that, right, is that everyone's gone, wait a second, this phone looks a bit like a certain other phone that's branded like a fruit. It's, um, what, what's, what's your take on that? Do, do, have, um, have, have they copied Apple? Have they, 
you know, are, are we in a situation where the only way for you to put two cameras on the back of a phone and not have it look horrible is to put them in the corner and it just so happens that Apple got there first? I think the problem is there's only so many ways you can design a phone without it being completely stupid. Yeah. And the way Apple have designed their products in the past have usually been pretty well built, looks good, and usually feel good as well. And that's the main thing that Apple usually do right, um, which is usually quite unanimous. But um, so I yeah, think... I, I think regardless of what criticisms people have on Apple devices, very few people are like, oh, this is a cheaply built phone. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, very much the case and that has been the case for years as well. So if you're going to steal something from a company, then certainly don't steal something bad. So... If they have actually blatantly stole it, then I'm okay with that because they've stole a good part of the um, Apple experience. Yeah, and hopefully um, that drives other people to also really improve that experience, right? Yeah. If they go, wait a second, if Apple turn around and go, wait a second, did OnePlus just copy us? We need to up our game. Hopefully that drives innovation, right? Yeah, and... E even if they didn't actually blatantly mean to, as I say, there's only certain amount of ways you can design a phone. So it could have just purely been coincidence because that could just be the best way to design a phone with people's current likes in mind. So yeah. it's uh, it's certainly a case you could argue for absolute ages and still probably wouldn't even get anywhere because you'll never know if OnePlus uh, did steal it. Because they will never admit it, even if they did. So, it's interesting though, because um, was it The Verge had an exclusive article? I want to say it was The Verge um, called yeah, you know. "Making the OnePlus 5. Yeah, I think it was The Verge. Uh, let me just yeah, it was The Verge, where they showed actually a bunch of the prototypes, mm. and um, you know, most of them looked different to some respect. But everyone, like, as I was looking at that table, all of them were like, you know, they either looked a bit like the Huawei P10, which is the second way of doing it, right? Where you have the metal phone with the glass band along the top, kind of like how your phone has, right? That yeah. sort of band along the top, and that's where you put the cameras. Um, and, and OnePlus clearly toyed with that idea as well. But, um, you know, that, that gives you, what, like, every phone in the world now has one of two ways it can look, right? Which means yeah. they flipped a coin right on this decision like come on guys yeah it's um i think purely because the way people want their phones there as you say there's only like really two ways you can build a phone and there isn't much you can stray from that without people being like ew it looks ugly and yeah, so i think i think apple are the only ones that are, can really change that because they're one of the only companies in the world that can do something majorly different and people will still love it yeah it's 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 interesting how apple can you know they have this reputation of being able to do anything they want and still get away with it it's no secret that you're yes and uh <laughs> it's very annoying for someone that doesn't like uh, apple products but well so i said i've just sent you that link to that video right let me so if you go to 407, I believe is the timestamp I have on here. Yeah. So if you go to 407, or e actually just a bit later as well, like 412, you can see the lineup of, of all of their prototypes. Uh, 407 gets a bit closer up, actually. I, I probably recommend 407. Let me bring this over for anyone who's what for people watching. 
right? So th this is some of the prototypes. Now, notice how th those other two, this the, the one on the right there definitely looks like a Huawei P10. Mm. Or right. similar to Nexus 6P. Yeah, something to uh, that effect. The, yeah. the one on the very left just looks a bit off. It's mm. it's the same as the OnePlus 2. I had a very similar issue with OnePlus 2, where it didn't look bad. It just, something about it just seemed a bit off. Yeah, that one sort of on the left, the um, it reminds me a bit of one of the old HTCs. I can't remember exactly which one. But... Yeah, that sort of design just reminds me of that. Yeah, is it bad? No. Is it weird? Definitely. And I feel like yeah. they clearly went for whatever's going to sell most because they're a company and that's what they do. And I think that's just what they ended up with. It was one that, you know, for them probably looked the best. And the fact it looked like an iPhone just came secondary. They, they, they probably accepted that really early on going, yeah, that's what it looks like. But what am I going to do, right? Yeah, that's uh, it's a struggle that lots of companies have had in the past and will probably have in the future. Right, so let's let's get off let's get off OnePlus talk. We've been here for twenty minutes and we've literally only talked about OnePlus. So let, let's let's go to something else. Snapchat. What what do you have? Have you used the new feature? I haven't actually checked. Are you on on the maps? I think you are. Let me check. I'm not on the maps. I actually did check it, then realised. Yeah, if you want to actually use it, you have to opt in and have yourself showing. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm not using this then. So does that mean you can't just view other people? Do you have to have yours on as well? Yeah, um, from what I've seen, uh, if you want to view other people, you have to have yourself... Um, like, have it activated for yourself as well i might be uh, it might have changed but that's how it seemed when i checked it the other day yeah and i think that's fair enough considering the situation so yeah again if you're not aware of this uh snapchat unveiled a new super duper magical feature uh depending on your definition of super duper magical yeah. um you can now if you like reverse pinch i think they call it or is it just pinch in uh, no, reverse yeah. pinch is the other way because that's what um, Huawei. That's what Huawei call the gesture on their phone launcher. So if you pinch in, yeah, if you pinch in, it will open up a map. And what that map does is it shows all of your friends on there who have opted into the service, and it lets you see what where they are. Right? It's. It's interesting because it's got a lot of backlash here in the UK. I'd assume it's done something similar in the US because it's the, you know it's the kind of thing that happens. What what do you think of it? Do you, do you do you think it's a tool for stalkers or what? Well, I I think it's definitely something that needs education about the dangers of having that information out there. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much it shows you is it just when you do pictures and stuff does it so show where that was from so that's the thing how it works is and i think they've done it decently um in the sense that it only shows up if you're on snapchat so okay. if i was to if i'm on snapchat right now my location would update if i traveled halfway across the world it no one would know until i opened up snapchat again and it goes, oh, he's actually now right here. So it shows you where they last were on Snapchat. Now, personally, I can't help but feel like 
you know, it's part of it is an education kind of deal, right? You should be telling people not to share their location yeah. with strangers, right? I feel like it's 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 not the world's job to coddle idiots through life, right? Mm. You know, if if you're someone who says something stupid on the internet, it shouldn't be my job to go. Well, actually, you know, what you're doing here is wrong. You should. There's, you know, there's there's some level of that, right? But there's also mm. a level of, you know, if you're an idiot, you're probably just an idiot. And... I, I think it's not just. I mean, there are idiots that are gonna sort of misunderstand it or do stuff that's a bit stupid I, with I, it. I think it's... But it's the youngsters that use it that aren't old enough to even understand the real issue with having that information out there. Yeah, there's, there's probably a bigger age thing than anything, but um, I, I meant in the sense that, you know, on Snapchat, for example, I tend to add anyone who adds me, more, more or less, right? Because mm. I'm a relatively public figure um, in the sense that, A, I have a YouTube channel where I post five videos a week, and B, I don't care about you knowing where I am, right? Because, you know, 99% of the time I'm right here, and I'm pretty sure if you Googled my address, it would come right up. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, but you know, so it, it's not like you couldn't find me if you wanted to. So for for me, it's it was a oh uh, yeah whatever I'll share it on there and it's 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 not that it's also not an opt out service. It's not like when you make a Snapchat account, you're automatically in it. It's an opt in, right? Mm. So you have to say yes, I want this feature, um, which is the big thing for me. And then and then also the fact that it's only when Snapchat is actually being used. Um, which was the big part of it in terms of me going, yeah, it's probably fine. But I think, interestingly, though, where, where this has implications in, in a couple of situations, right? In the sense that, so f for me, it's fine because even though I do this, you know, it's, I have we have, what, like 340 subscribers on YouTube? There's a very yeah. little chance of someone jetting around the world and, like, trying to stalk me. If you're... I don't know, Lewis Hamilton, Bruno Mars, anyone like that, right? And you accidentally add someone back on your Snapchat. All of a sudden, they know where you are 24-7. Yeah, and that could be a very big issue for those people. But I, I think it's, it is one of those things that for certain people like Lewis Hamilton and stuff, it is not a good idea to have any location... Uh, linked to any social yeah, media Yeah, no, stuff. absolutely. I feel like if, yeah. if you are Lewis Hamilton, the solution isn't don't turn location on for Snapchat, it's don't turn location on full stop. Yeah, because even if you don't have it set it to anything, there's probably someone hacking you and tracking you. Oh, because, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're famous and you have creepy stalkers like that. That is usually the sort of part of being famous. But um, I think for people that aren't famous it's very much a case of some people will just know where you are it's for the people that you don't know um that then could get your information that you do not want out there um and i don't think some people think about things before they do them on the internet and actually seeing a lot of the things on the internet i think that's definitely true I think my my solution to this is pretty similar to my solution for regular internet usage, which is, um, you know, don't add random strangers on anything ever, 
and then outside of that you should be good yeah no it's um definitely something where people have got to smarten up if they want to use it yeah no absolutely um for one question this does raise for me personally at least is does this mean that snapchat knows where you are 24 7 like how how often does snapchat actually check in on this yeah that's um it's a worrying thing because I know, like Google, they track your movements twenty four seven, and they show you. Yeah, so Google, if, you, if and... actually this might be a fun exercise for the listener at home, if you go to maps.google.com or open up the maps Google Maps app on your website, and then go into the menu, so the three lines along the top left hand corner, and go to your timeline, it will show you everywhere you have ever been, um, as of like twenty thirteen or whenever it, whenever it was they started tracking. So if I go into, like, Sunday, so today, I can see that I left my house at 11.22 and then got the bus to Hornchurch Sports Centre and then got the car to a pub and then got the car to Curry's PC World and then got the car to your house and then got the car back home. Like, that is, it can tell if you're on public transport or if you're in a car or if you're on a train or if you're flying and it can tell just because of their Google, right? Yeah, and they've got some very intelligent algorithms that worry me a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I am without doubt, um, 100% certain, personally at least, that Google knows more about any name you give them, right? You can be like, you know, give me all of your information on Donald Trump. Yeah. I guarantee you it will have knowledge that even Donald Trump doesn't have himself. Well, Donald Trump doesn't have much knowledge himself, so... Um... That is a good point. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't have much, much knowledge, full stop. But this isn't a political... This isn't a political... Politic... Political. There we are. This isn't a political show, so we're going to... Whoops. We're going to not talk about Donald Trump in the most part. It is one of those times where, like... Um... I hear like people in my family constantly say, Oh, these companies know more about you than you know yourself. Like, banks, like, when they see a spending thing that's not usual of you they'll call you up and be like hey was this you or not and it's definitely a case with google that they definitely do know more about you than you even remember about yourself so yeah I think it I... is it's very useful and it's quite cool to look back at the timeline and stuff but at the same point it's worrying to know what they could do with the information not what they are because like we don't know um it could be perfectly fine and they could literally just be doing it for the interesting factor for yourself but what's the chance yeah i think i think the interesting thing in, on the bank front at least is they have their knowledge they have a different set of knowledge right yeah so Google knows literally everything, right? Everything from your location to your payment cards to your health records, if you put that in there, to how much you exercised last week if you use Google Fit, to all of your emails ever if you use Gmail. Yeah. Whereas HSBC specifically, for example, as, a, as an example of a bank, they know what you spend and where and your address that's more or less it on that front, right? They know all of your financial information. And I feel like if you gave me anyone's bank statement and went, which purchase here looks a bit dodgy, you'd probably be able to find it. 
It's 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 yeah. not doing anything anywhere near as complicated as what Google's algorithms are. Mm. It's just going, you know, he suddenly made a purchase at 3 a.m. from the Philippines. That's probably not Paul, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, you are right with the fact that knowledge isn't quite the same extent um, as Google's. And one good thing about though you know they have a lot of knowledge about your financial stuff, they're actually using it to help you and so you don't have random charged and stuff, which is a great peace of mind. But the question that raises is, does that mean that Google aren't helping you with their product? Because I'd say that, that helps as well, right? Would would yeah. Can you imagine yourself in a world where you don't use Gmail or Google Search or Google yeah. Maps even? I, I think especially at this point in my life, ask me 10 years ago, could I live without Google? Probably would be all right then. Now I'm so within the Google ecosystem with Android, Gmail, Google Docs. So like Google Drive, YouTube, and I couldn't not use a Google thing for the rest of my life. It's just there is so much to it now that I'm I'm slightly too invested in it. It's difficult though because they do do a bit of everything, right? There's mm. it's very hard to find. They make self-driving cars. I feel like that kind of sums it all up, right? You, it's very hard to find something that Google don't at least dabble in, right? Yeah. And I think actually from their point of view as a um, business side of things, that's very good for them because they can do like, uh, do you know how South Korea actually works as a uh, country? Um, They actually, people like Samsung are one of very few companies that work in the country because here, Samsung, you get monitors, TVs and phones. That's basically all. And washing machines and fridges. Yeah. But it's a relatively small area of things. In, like, somewhere like South Korea, they do everything. Like, you'll work for Samsung in the factory. When you'll go home, you'll go home to a Samsung-owned house with a Samsung microwave. You'll go to a Samsung supermarket. And literally, like, everything you will do will be within that company that you work for because yeah. they will offer you everything that you need um, and that's kind of um, I can't remember what the na- name is for the system uh, that that is called but that's quite it's not quite of the same extent that Google are going to but at the same point it's very good for them because it means they can offer you everything so if you choose that you do not want to go with google then it's very unlikely you're actually gonna ever be able to do that yeah so... I'd, I'd like to see for one person on this earth who's been like i have never used a google service in my life um, they probably uh tribesmen somewhere yes that's probably about it interestingly though i reckon you can have how many services do you reckon you need how many services like how many yeah like comp like you know if i was to say you're only allowed products from two companies for the rest of your life right like how, what's that number how many do you think you how many do you reckon you'd need um i mean well google can do basically all of the electronics side yep. of things for my life including internet if i was living in america yep. um and i would love to have google's internet <laughs> but i mean 
the figures probably a minimum of say four or five. I mean, you could say like Google, like Tesco's. You need for shopping. So here's food. the thing. So that's that's why I asked. I reckon it's two. I reckon it's Google and Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, is is there anything they don't cover, right? It's dependent on location, really, as well. Because... Yeah, so, you know, in, in a hypothetical situation yeah. we're, we've put ourselves in, you know, we have access to everything that Google slash Amazon makes mm. or ever will make, right? Yeah. So we have access to a Google car and Google Fiber. Like, you know, mm. I feel like there's very little those two don't cover. Yeah, I... Well, I mean, at the moment, of course, Google don't sell the cars. But in the f- if you imagine, like, in 10 years' time, yes, if you was yeah. in the right location... Um, I can't actually think of anything that would, neither of them sell like houses, electric, gas. That's literally yes, the utilities yeah, the and getting the house itself. Once you've got okay, that, I, 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 mean, I call it a free. Right? I, I, I call it a free. It's uh, Google, uh, Amazon, and Tesla. I reckon those are the three you need. Yeah, that's. But... It, well, aside for that, or like you need like uh, British gas or something for or the electric, and though I would certainly prefer Tesla. Yeah, you know Tesla with their solar panels and their pow- yeah. their house batteries, uh, and their all right cars. Yeah, all, all right. Yeah, I totally wouldn't absolutely love a Tesla. Yeah, Tesla. If someone who works at Tesla is watching this, I just want to say, uh, if if you send us one, we will review it. It will be yeah, impartial, and... but it will be reviewed. And, and also because oh, I have a road driving license and he has a racing driving license. So we can test it on a track yes. and then I can test it on a, uh, on on a road. road. So, yeah. Perfect. yeah, so it would be a very good all-round review. We really need to actually do that, say, to Tesla. You, oh, yeah, you absolutely. Shoot. I'll, I'll shoot Elon a tweet. Just be like, yo, <laughs> fam, can you, can you set us up with a Tesla? Yeah, I, I know like the P100Ds with all the self-driving stuff, so like over 100 grand, and we've only got like 340 subs, but you know, it's what's really good 100 investment. grand to a billionaire? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're talking a lot about Google, and I, I, I want to quickly pull it back to Snapchat real quick. Yes. Um, so it, what do you think? Is it a mostly educational thing? Do you reckon people need to just understand this feature and outside of that, they'll be fine? Or, yes. Cause... I, I think... I think people, as long as they understand, one, of course, if you don't want it, then you don't even need to opt out. It's as long as you don't turn it on, it's all right. But I think especially youngsters, sort of like 10 to 12 year olds, that sort of range of people that are very naive and don't really understand the real downside of this sort of stuff. Um I think as long as they understand what's going on and what should be done, shouldn't be done, or that, then I think it would be all right. Personally, I just want to give people the same advice that I give um, for social media in general. And to like, you know, there are people who are like, oh my God, internet trolls are the worst people ever or whatever, right? Like Mm. overall, my view on this subject is, you know, if you're really struggling with internet trolls or really struggling in this case with internet stalkers... Right, if someone's like following you on Snapchat, it's you know, just unfriend them, block them, do whatever, and as if by magic they tend to go away. Yeah, I mean, in some cases that's not the 
end of it. Um, and no, no, absolutely. Very rare cases, but, but, it, though, but, so. is it, but it is the end of them knowing where you are 24-7. Yeah, exactly. So, we were talking about Google. Let's talk more about Google, because this week, they brought the Google Glass back to life. Yeah, it's so, um, very strange. So, I was at London, Te- we were both at London Tech Week, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and when you left, after you left, I did like a lap of the place, and there was actually one company there with a pair of Google Glasses. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, since you guys weren't there, I'll give you a brief rundown. And what was happening, it was like five different events under one roof. One of these events was VR and AR World. And, you know, there were people like Kazendi, who if you go on my Twitter account, you'll see we're, 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 we're chatting with them like all the time. There's also a great video on our YouTube channel. Uh, they they do like HoloLens software development, uh, kazendi.com, go check that out. And then there are like, you know, a bunch of other people there. One of the companies there was with Google Glass. And, you know, I, I jokingly did a Snapchat about it, being like, oh my god, these things aren't dead. Like, these things still exist. Um, but, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I've always been aware of the fact that Google Glass never died, right? It went from being a consumer product to an enterprise product. And with these updates, it is very much alive. Yeah, I was, I was reading uh, the article um, about it. And of course, they deleted everything from the Twitter and like the Facebook and all that. So it does make it seem though. And I mean, the the site for it as well, I think basically got deleted. So it very much does seem though that they did kind of give up on it. Then it's just strange that out of the blue, three years or something later, it's suddenly had an update, um, which kind of makes you wonder what's going in on inside uh, google there though so yeah it's interesting so i've just looked for the google last twitter account as you spoke and it does no longer exist mm. by the looks i can't seem to find anything pertaining to google glass um but yeah i think a lot of people agree it, it, with the idea that google glass was just a bit too far ahead of its time right yeah. And that's 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 tends to be the biggest killer of technology where someone comes with an idea and they're like, Oh, this will be really good but technology just can't keep up and Google Glass is what, five years old, four years old? And yeah. I think Google Glass definitely have I reckon, you know, looking at something like the HoloLens, I think that really shows off what Google Glass could have been. Um yeah. but it unfortunately wasn't. And uh, it was just a bit too far ahead of its time. Now, as you mentioned, the updates, um, it was, you know, it was really funny because the first bullet point is the first bullet point that everyone always uses on their, you know, software updates. It was bug fixes and general improvements, you know, because yeah. we all love in-depth change logs. Outside of that, um, the big one, uh, I say for me, like I own a pair, the, the big one was that you can now use a keyboard and mouse with your Google Glass if you connect out via Bluetooth. And then outside yeah. of that, the update just meant that it supported newer phones. The software was so old that it was it had an Android target version of 4.0, um, which meant that, you know, it worked fine for Android 4, Android 5. Uh, it really fell over Android 6 and 7. Um, now that it's been updated, all of the, the back end has been brought up to date as such. So it now targets Android version 5.1. But it does also mean that it supports everything, every version of Android up till now, which is always useful. Uh, yeah, other than that, the apps seem, the app and the glass themselves seem more or less unchanged. 
Yeah, I think it's really strange how out of, uh, say, out of the blue they've updated it. But what they've updated it with, to update it so it can be compatible with new phones is... Uh, quite a good idea and that's nothing out of the uh, like too weird uh, same with the bug fixes and general sort of small improvements but the suddenly adding bluetooth keyboard and mouse support is a bit okay so that, that, is there someone very bored in the background or are google actually really trying to bring it back it makes me wonder if there's a specific reason right surely there's you know i think what's happened is someone has gone if we're going to develop, if we're going to make Google Glass development serious, we need some form of pointer. Yeah. Right? I think they've gone, you know what? Because, you know, Android has it currently. I don't think Android Wear does, but, you know, the full version of Android does, where you can plug in a USB keyboard and mouse, right, using an OTG adapter. I think I have one in my pot. I have a fancy little pot of stuff. I think there's one in there, right? Um, where you plug in any USB keyboard and mouse and it just works. So they haven't, you know, written this piece of code from scratch. There's at least some of it, at least, existed before, but it's just um, it was it was unexpected more than anything else. Yeah, no, that's different. Um, also, I quickly checked, and it was five years ago that it was oh, released. Was it? Aha, go me. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Gotta love me and my my knowledge of time. Right, so I want to hit um, I want to hit one more quick subject, right? Because preferably we've so we've actually been live for 35 minutes right so we started at eight past okay. so what i want to do is i want to do 15 more minutes of talking about some tech and then for the last yeah. 10 minutes i reckon we'll go into your subjects does that sound good to you yeah yeah that's right yeah perfect yeah. so what do you want to talk about we've covered the, the two of the top three we have we've talked about google glass so the, the question is AMD chips or Travis Kalanick? Which one do you reckon is? I have more knowledge on the AMD chips. AMD chips it is. We have a winner. So, if you're not aware of a subject of what's going on, AMD have revolutionised the CPU game, I reckon, over the last couple of months. I think it's safe to say. Um, AMD were... To call it struggling is a bit of an understatement. I'm not sure what the exact market share was between AMD and Intel in the CPU market, but it was very, very heavily Intel, like 80% call it, pulling a number out of the air, um, with like 10% being Qualcomm because of all their mobile chips. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't a good time for AMD. They then around, announced Ryzen, which you know, really pushed Intel in terms of, holy crap, what do we do now? And then, as if that wasn't good enough, they've also announced AMD Epic, uh, which is their server-grade chips. Now, these things go up to 32 cores and 64 threads, which is no joke. It ha they, The highest-end one boosts up to 3.2 gigahertz. Benchmarks have them at about... 23 to 7 well benchmarks have them at 23 to 70 percent faster with them averaging around 30 to 40 percent um it is worth noting though those benchmarks have been run by amd because no one actually has their hands on a cpu yet um so you know that should be taken with a pinch of salt and then 128 pcie lanes i think that's 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 the biggest one for 
people like you know like uh, Bitcoin miners and people who just use a bunch of PCI devices. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a step ahead. I don't actually know what um, Intel's on. Um, let's actually get up. In terms of what? Uh, they're on PCI e lanes. How so they're on. They it's, in, it's in the show notes. They've got up to forty. So most of their um, their Xeon processors all have forty. Um, which so you know the way it works is it actually has. Um, 64 but 14 of those are dedicated to the cpu stuff um i if i recall correctly uh epic actually has 200 uh 160 i want to say off the top of my head somewhere around there 140 160 with again all the excess on top of that being dedicated to the cpu and the things it does as opposed to pcie lanes yeah but, but um this is crazy so if, if we look at price points at the 800 US dollar mark, right? The Epic 7301 is, you know, 16 cores, 32 threads, 2.2 gigahertz, 155 watt TDP, 70% faster than a Xeon E5 2640. It's just ridiculous. If, if Ryzen didn't have Intel scared, does this? Yeah, I mean, because... Uh, you said about um, you thought Intel was up to eighty percent share. Sadly, you were spot on. Was I? Was uh, it exactly eighty yeah. uh, percent? In Q in Q one twenty sixteen, I've got the graph here. Uh, Intel oh, got to eighty percent. That is priceless. Share with twenty twenty. That's AMD versus Intel, not including uh, Corp. Oh, is that just okay? Uh, right, just them two. But um, I certainly think that. That Intel's release of the i9 uh, processors showed a bit of shit. We've got a bit of catching up to do now. I think it's uh, not we... even just the i9. I feel like the i9 itself is understandable. It's the release of X299. And I think YouTube have been. I say YouTube. YouTubers and video creators in general have been giving Intel correctly, I think, a lot of flack for it. Yeah. Um, but Intel clearly seem to be in panic mode right now, aren't they? They're they're releasing yeah. anything they can to to make it look like they haven't been sitting around for the last three years. Which, if we're all honest, they have. Yeah, I mean the problem with the CPU market um, until, uh, of course, Ryzen was released was. AMD hadn't released anything um, for a few years, and when they had last released things, they were very high power consumption CPUs that just didn't quite perform. Yeah. Uh, though they were it was, good for price per performance, really. I think it, uh, was, it was similar to um, their GPU scenario, yeah. right? In the sense that they weren't bad, and for the money, they were kind of decent. But in terms of an architecture point of view, Intel and AMD seem to take two very distinct routes where Intel were... And I think this is, you know, in CP, in the GPU space, this is NVIDIA and, and um, AMD, where AMD's point of view was very firmly a, we just want to compute as much as we can, right? In the mm. sense that we will sacrifice efficiency for raw power. So Intel and, and NVIDIA may not have as much raw power 
but they tend to be a lot more efficient in the way they use the power they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, that AMD's last release of CPUs didn't really go as well as they was hoping. It was all very much a case of um, look how powerful it is. We're pushing four gigahertz here. And then they released like the 4.7 gigahertz one with the five gigahertz turbo. And like, oh, all of these eight core chips. And it was just kind of like, yeah, you've got very high numbers there, but it's just not doing the work. And it did certainly lead Intel into a path of, okay, we can um, kind of coast by here. Uh, so long as we show a little bit of improvement, then we're all right. And yeah, I, th- I think their viewpoint became, out. as long as we make it look like we're doing something, no one will complain. Yeah. It, it's quite hard to argue against yeah. the people who are in first, even if they're only in first because they they did like one massive step and now they're just, you know, leeching off it. But matter of fact, was yeah. they were still first. You know who that kind of reminds me of? Is it a certain fruit-shaped company that makes mobile phones? Yes. <laughs> what? How could I tell? Is it? Are you specifically talking about their virtual assistant by any chance? Which I feel like is its own conversation point, but we will not cover today with Siri and the HomePod and Apple. What are you thinking? Uh, but you know, that's something we'll come back to at a later point. These CPUs. I wasn't even thinking of. I wasn't even thinking of that. I was just thinking more of the fact they bring out something groundbreaking every now and then, and it then. If they wanted to, they could just coast by because they'd carried on getting the the people from it. Over the place. Okay. Is that is has that fixed it? I think I might have fixed it. Ooh. No idea. Uh, I am dropping frames like there there is no tomorrow, and it seems to be an internet connection issue. Because uh, it's not CPU, because that's running at 30%. See, this is this is why live shows are so difficult. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is. My, my yes. internet, my internet seems to have um, te- seems to be acting up slightly. Uh, that's fine though. Uh, we will keep talking and wait for it to resolve itself. I think it's slowly doing that right now. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Um, so we have five minutes. So very, very quickly. Um, what, 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 if you, if you owned a server farm right now, right? Where would you go? Where do you take, A, what does Intel do? And B, what would you do as a consumer? Well, as a consumer, I wouldn't need server farms anyway. But... Well, no, but you know, if you're hypothetically Amazon or Google, what 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 do you do here? I think it's a certainly a case of let's see when we get our hands on the processors because AMD like getting benchmarking figures from AMD, you take them with a pinch of salt or getting benchmarking figures from anyone. Uh, yeah, take them with a pinch if, of salt. If the person who benchmarked but... it is the person who made the product. Mm-hmm. You should probably, you know... Yeah, because they're definitely going to take the uh, numbers that most favourably look in their direction. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd be willing but... to bet this is on a benchmark that AMD have been historically strong in. 
right? Yeah, that is definitely going to be the case. And but if it look, if they actually turn out to be even half as um, good as they're promising, or like just that, like seventy percent. If that was just thirty-five percent better than Intel, then these are going to be some great chips, especially if you're someone that's going to be looking for higher threads. Intel's highest um, core count uh, Tw- is 24. 24 with 48 threads. And the top three AMD have all got 32 cores, 64 threads. Lots of PCIe lanes for um, network cards or if you're uh, Bitcoin mining and stuff like that, then this is something that is going to be so good for people. If that is what people are looking for in a cpu then wow like amd have really really shook up that um that market and it's interesting because they use the infinity fabric and um between the cpus right it's it's the same Mm. it's the same technology they have between dies on one single cpu that they're using between cpus um now it it seems to only support two sockets uh, so you can, f- from what I can tell by the looks of it, um, but even then, that's still strong performance. Yes. If there is support, or if it's going to be future support for more than two sockets, then that's even a bigger deal. But at the moment, even just two sockets are going to be a big shake-up, especially in not maybe the high high end of um, server farms and stuff like that where they need as many cpus and cores as you can back into one unit as possible but sort of if you are only fitting into cpus then wow this is could be a big big deal and i mean and that i you could quite easily see the market shares going back to what they were in 2006 i've still got this graph up here yeah um and of course, it peaked at around eighty-two percent for uh, for Intel um, back in two thousand and six. Though it was about fifty-two percent Intel, forty-eight percent AMD. I could see it getting sort of forty-sixty. I don't think AMD are ever going to get quite as even as that for some time. I, but... I I think it will depend on what where Intel go from here. They're clearly panicking. Yeah. And I think if the next generation of CPU is something and they pull the the rabbit out of the bag great if not i think that's when intel really struggles on market share it's certainly a case of um it's intel's um share to lose yes absolutely Um, it if they do it right then perfect but considering they've not had quite the um, need to compete in the past few years um they need to bring that skill back because i mean if they compete like they did back in like 2006, 2007, when there was very good competition, um, then then Intel are going to be fine. But if they can't, it could be a worrying time for Intel. And I can't help but feel like the biggest tell for this is the fact that uh, PC create PC uh, builders have started putting. AMD CPUs in their laptops and their 
custom-built PCs, right? You can't find a single laptop with an AMD CPU in it right now, outside of Ryzen. Yeah, it's... um, That is a big tell. Uh, the fact people have... Pe- people's brand... Um, their dedication to a brand is a big thing. I mean, Apple's fan base really shows that. Um, so for people to be so easily switching to Intel... Um, Oh, sorry, switching from Intel to AMD, it's a real big, should be a real big scare for them. So, uh, with, a, with just under 10 minutes to go, what is your super duper mag- magical topics? I know nothing about these, uh, just if you're, if you're watching this, just a heads up. I literally told Paul, and, I, and the intention is to tell the guest this every week, go away, find two, three, however many it is, of just random stuff that happened this week uh, that you think is interesting for whatever reason and let's talk about it so paul hit me with your topics okay so of course all i've told you so far is they're three topics that are security based yes uh, and with things like the parliament uh, cyber attack in the news this week and um the like whole Snapchat thing. I think security is quite a good uh, topic. Yep. And, I like to start. Uh, Virgin Media. Did yes, you know where their, their routers. Yes, I do know where this is going. Well, uh, I, I know a little bit where this is going. I think the issue yeah. is... So, um, I, I, I use Virgin Media. I have their, their newest router, the one that isn't affected by this issue. Um, however... My point of view is, and Virgin Media's point of view is pretty similar, is it's a bit unfair in the sense that Virgin Media were very much singled out, right? You know, if if you get a router from anyone, call it five years ago, internet security just didn't exist like five, ten years. Mm. No, No one expected it to, you know, become a situation where hackers are attacking you 24-7. And... yeah. The, the, the short default passwords were kind of expected, um, at least yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you know, and, you know, most people are told to change their password, which is something I stand by regardless of how decent the default password is. I don't care how good it is. The fact that the default means just change it. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah. I, so carry on. I guess on. I should quickly explain as well, for those that don't, I haven't seen this. Uh, it's been quite a big news story this week. Virgin Media have kind of been slammed for the fact hackers, because uh, they know that on their Superhub 2, uh, their passwords were always eight characters and always lowercase. So it was quite a good... Yeah, it really narrows it down, place. right? Yeah, for hackers to start and then sort of um, like password generators to crack it. And this is, as you say, it's not just virgin media virgin media have been slammed for this and they of course recently they've been slammed for a bunch of things and um i think actually the movement away from cable was one of our other talking yes points yeah it was, was a separate talking and... point about that was primarily television but yeah i mean on this um because i've got the bbc article up at the moment and they do actually say that bt sky talk talk are just among three of the other the many other people that have done it and it's when, as you say, when these routers came out, people didn't think this needed to be 
an issue. They wanted to make it simpler for people to put in the passwords and stuff like that. They never realized at the time that this was a, um, a problem. And I think the good sign from this is it is the only the Superb 2, uh, which is sadly the one I have. Yes, um, so if I you... Um, actually, just a quick note. Um, I am fully aware of the fact that if you do currently... If you are on Virgin Media and do currently have a Superb 2, which more than likely you do, um, I highly, highly recommend just getting in touch with their customer support, whether it be via a phone call or via their live support through um, their website or just dropping them an email and just saying guys I have the Superhub 2 I want to update it you don't you, I want to upgrade it sorry you don't need to say anything else just that um, they may or may not charge you a five pound fee um, they luckily they, they didn't for us um, but that was because they kept, it, it's a five pound installation cost I think um, but we had them here on a separate issue and, you know, whilst they were here, I was like, Hey, is, could we get the free setup? And he was like, yeah, I have one in the back and he just kind of set it up. Um, so it may or may not cost five pounds, but I highly recommend it. If nothing else for the fact that a, it has the new hardware that isn't susceptible to those issues and B because it's new, it just works better. Yeah. And I think also the big sort of, why this isn't that much of an issue is all that you need to do to fix it apart from ask for a newer router that doesn't have this issue is change your password which is highly yeah which do. is highly suggested anyway right now again yeah. as i said earlier if you get something with a default password just change the damn password yeah i mean if if you keep the default password then if you don't expect someone to hack in then you're probably slightly naive about the whole situation so it is as you say it's genuinely just a good idea to do it if nothing else so you don't have a sticker on the bottom of it allowing people to see exactly what the password is yeah and i, and I think also the important note is you know even versus these are routers they still need they don't need physical access in the same way that you'd need physical access to like get into a laptop for example right if you to like you know use a usb unlock key which i think you have one of those right don't you those unlocker keys that you yeah. log into any windows device and you can get rid of a password which you know for that you need actual physical access for this you need to be close right close enough to have the wi-fi signal as such most of the time um we, we, you know which means that i can't hack your router right i'm i'm like i'm not far away but i am away yeah and what, what, so uh, if you, you know, we've got, we've got three minutes. Drop drop the last piece of knowledge. Uh, what, on this subject? Uh, either on this subject or on one of the other ones. Well, something I quickly wanted to say as well is they're making a big issue out of something where anyone with any hacking capabilities will probably know how to hack into a normal Wi-Fi anyway. So having a pass, that that's probably more difficult... Uh, way to get into a wi-fi than the other net uh, other ways that even i know um, yeah and in, so... in the, also in the sense that you just have to be aware of the fact they have a super hub too right yeah. um Alex, you, and... which actually to be fair isn't that hard because you just look at the wi-fi name but you know even even, yeah. even then it's still you know i think it's a step that in most cases you just people just look over 
And okay, so staying on the subject of hackers, yep. Um, the other story I actually got is uh, it's not this week. It was last week. It was nine days ago, sixteenth right. of June. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a very good story anyway. Um, about a guy who says basically hackers ruined his life because they actually hacked into his network via his connected printer. I think I've seen this. Carry yeah. on. They hacked into his network via his uh, connected printer, and then they started uh, changing things. Like they uh, went into presentations he had, and like one of them, they changed "thank you" on the last slide uh, on a on a PowerPoint that was meant to win him a four hundred thousand dollar contract from "thank you" to something slightly more offensive um, yep. using one change of words. Yeah, guessing you can tell. You can probably um, figure that one out, guys. They started doing that, uh, started intercepting some of his uh, text messages um, and actually changing them or just not letting him get them. Uh, basically hacking, like from getting this one breach through yeah. the printer, they managed to control and uh, make a, a middleman um, server to so everything that ever went to him, uh, they could change first see first stop and yeah so like he'd get messages from his daughter which his daughter really wouldn't have said and um yeah he, he did actually lose quite a lot of money thanks to this and uh, eventually he had to s spend a lot of money on um getting them out getting uh, well getting people in to sort out his cyber security and my whole point with uh, sort of bringing this up Partially, where will our connectivity end? Nowhere. It will, a... it, it, yeah. There's there's not a single thing that people won't find a selling point for for sticking the internet on it, right? So, you know, right yeah. now I have a printer that's connected to the internet. I have two separate computers, plus my phone, plus my watch, plus my sunglasses, which are downstairs, are strictly speaking connected to the internet. Uh, you can get uh, normal glasses that are connected to the internet. You can get pacemakers that are connected to the internet if you're if you need a pacemaker for whatever reason there are very few things but people don't find excuses for putting on the internet yeah i think it's just it's kind of like the old uh, joke of um if you want a guy to buy it add bluetooth um it's a case of if you've connected it to the internet someone's gonna buy it just because it sounds cool even if it doesn't really help them whatsoever and i think and, the, the um, big one is um so i was at info the week before you see expos at infosec and yeah. they were there and uh, there was a there's a company there called pentest partners i actually have a pair of their socks downstairs that was their free giveaway um so yeah, I, I was, you know, watching, they always have a really good presentation. So last year they hacked into a car, right? So this guy took his own car to the show. Um, the hacker, it was like one of the hackers owned this car. It was a Wi-Fi connected car. The hackers, um, it, they bought it as a company car, whatever. Uh, you know, they, they managed to hack into it and they could use a laptop to control anything they wanted on this car, right? From unlocking and locking the door, to starting the engine, to driving away. Everything was controllable via the, the laptop. Um, so they were saying, you know, everything is being connected to the internet. From cars to fridges. Samsung make a smart fridge that connects to the internet. Most TVs also connect to the internet. Most TVs also have cameras on them now. So we have a Samsung smart TV that has a camera on it. 
And then they were also using, and this is sort of the point I was getting to, they have a smart connected fridge. Not a fridge, I just said that. A smart connected kettle. Yeah. There we are. So you can get a kettle which connects um, to your phone via Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. And you can turn it on and off from your phone as well as see the, the temperature of the water inside. My only question here being, why? <laughs> yeah, that is agreed. And um, actually, because you were saying about smart connected cars, and the whole sort of uh, part of the reason why I wanted to share that story was because of the other story I've got. Um, and the the headline for this is how I could have stolen my old car using my smartphone. Yeah. And basically this guy, um, his car, he had one of sort of the original um, cars where you could unlock them with your smartphone. Yep. And he had a special app for it. He got another car from the... I can't remember. I don't know whether it said what brand the car was. But yeah, he got another car from this brand. And on the app, it showed up that car. And um, using the app, you could unlock the car... Uh, you could also find where it is. Also, you could start it from the app. Right. But the issue is, um, what, well, one, he was a, uh, he's actually, I can't remember what he was. He's uh, works for IBM in um, security. Not so even surprised. One, he said, of course, yeah, he um, says, one, he had to factory reset it to make sure, like, people, if you've got an internet, um, a thing's car, then. Make oh yeah, sure step, you do step that number one before calendars... you sell anything, right? Regardless of what it is, if you're selling something, I always, you know, even if it's just your camera, for example, always, always, always factory reset it, regardless of how yeah. pointless you think it is. There's no reason not to, especially if you are selling something. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's what he was saying because what business he was in, he understood that, and. Um... So he, of course, he reset it. But his, um, though he'd reset the car, in his app, that car didn't disappear. The new guy, I think, had the app as well. Um, right. And he was using it. But then one day he looked at his app uh, to see his new car and realized his old car wasn't actually disconnected. And he actually um, spoke to the people that, um, that made the car. And it took them quite a while before they even took the problem serious which i find quite stupid um yeah and then they actually got it disconnected from his account but he said um part of his job is to sort of find weaknesses and um hack without it going to the illegal part of it uh just doing yeah, it for finding weaknesses for that yeah white hat hackers so i'm um, actually um, a quick you know knowledge bomb i guess White hat is the good people, black hat is the bad people, and grey hat is the questionable people. Carry on. But he, um, he, because he understood this and all that, he was like, okay, no, I'm not going to be that dick and use the app to track down my, uh, my old car um, and then drive it away. But he said to him, look, you've got to find out a system to control this because... If this was a an actual bad guy doing it, you could quite easily keep selling your car, going and finding it and stealing it back and selling it off again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's how... So I don't know what your views are on how 
this could be sort of sorted or but it's something i thought was quite an interesting story and kind of sums up how bad security can be now especially the fact that they didn't take it very seriously um at first yeah i think that's it's worse with me than the idea of them just screwing up Right, if they just screwed up and the moment someone mentioned it to them, they were like, oh, we hadn't considered that someone might sell their car at some point and fixed it within a week, right? Because let's be completely honest here, fixing any issue tends to be a week's work, right? You yeah. you hire a team or, you know, if if you don't, if, if you're Google, I, I, I expect there to be absolutely nothing where if I was to bring you an issue right this second, that you couldn't get it fixed within a week. Yeah, well, in, unless in fact, it was something ridiculously big, but no, because worst case, not not even then, because worst case scenario is you pull the plug, right? You say we tried for six days, um, we couldn't get it fixed. We're now going to pull the plug, right? And we will fix it in the background, and when it is working, we'll give it back to you. I think Microsoft does a really uh, no, it's Google. Google have their own internal team of hackers who their entire job is to go around finding weaknesses and other people's stuff just for the giggles. Um, and they have a very clear policy where if they find something and they go, oh, wait, this is a serious security flaw, they give the other company 90 days, right? If you fix it within 90 days, great. If not, we are taking it public because we need to know you're taking it seriously. Yeah. Which is actually the perfect way to sort it because a major security flaw to be open for more than a week is bad enough, but if it was open for more than 90 days, someone would have got into it by then. Especially if it's when that it's... that big a security flaw, at least pull the plug. Especially when it's Microsoft telling you, right? It's, it's not like, mm. you know, I'm going, oh, guys, by the way, there's this hole, you might want to fix it. And they're going, you're like, you know, shut up, no one cares about your opinion. This is, this is Microsoft, right? This is a very major name, go, uh, Google, still. Yeah, I was gonna say. This is Google. This is a very major name going, guys, fix your issues. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's like having, it's the difference between having, say, a, just a casual white hat hacker saying it to you that you should still listen to, but at the same point, take it with a pinch of salt, and you prob most companies will probably ignore it. Uh, but yeah, if someone like Google is telling you, and if someone like Google is saying, look, if you don't fix it within 90 days, we are going to tell people. If they want to tell people, everyone will know. Yeah. If one person should, wants to the, tell the people... The moment they unlikely. decide to tell people, don't be surprised. Right? Well, yeah. If they if go, we're going to really tell people, and then they te then tell people, you don't then get to go, oh no, we were trying, we promise. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> it's certainly a case of... it. Well, I mean, if you can't fix something like that in 90 days then you're obviously not trying hard enough it's certainly a case of that so we have overran uh, which is you know surprising to no one Sorry. Um, but however <laughs> we had a fun conversation it was all well and good we talked about lots of interesting stuff from google to google to more google wait a second we also spoke about you know, AMD, OnePlus, Snapchat, all, a, a wide variety of stuff. It was great having you, Paul. It's always fun having a chat with you. We're friends in real life, believe it or not. We spend a lot. We spend a bit too much time together, actually. You know. Yeah, guys. Shows. We. 
yeah, guys, we actually have friends. It might only just be us two. Yeah, we're, we're the only friends the other friends. one has. But, um, but you know, if <laughs> if if you go back and watch Snappy Tech videos, you'll also see that you know he's he's in quite a few of them. And then whenever we're at events, he tends to be the one behind the camera. So you know, he he's he's a great guy to chat with. I enjoy chatting with him. It was always it was great to see you as always. However, if people want to find out more. Where is the best place? Where, where do you find out about all things, Paul? Okay, if you want to follow me, if you find me interesting, which is highly unlikely, but I suppose um, let, let's pretend this time. Uh, go look. Yeah, go but to in my the Twitter, hypothetical situation. Stubbers. Yes, in this hypothetical situation, go to my Twitter at Paul Stubbers, and um, yeah, I have the YouTube channels. They're not really active at the moment, but I want to become active on them again. So that's where you're keep up to date if they actually do become active Brilliant. so, yeah. so if you if you liked this podcast great news it's going to be a weekly thing every sunday night 8 p.m bst make sure you come here listen there's a live chat where you can li- talk to us and we will chat back and have a conversation and you know this is this is live for a reason and the fact that we had that live stream last week with the one plus five is is just testament to that and you guys are great to talk to and it's always fun hanging around with you guys so I will find any opportunity I can to do so if you want to see more of our videos from reviews such as of headphones or laptops or just phones make sure you subscribe there's loads of fun stuff coming up including a review of this my new Chromebook which we will discuss at a later point because I unboxed it like three hours ago currently I'm actually really liking this thing it's a lot of fun um, We'll talk about that at a later date, though. So subscribe. If you liked this, make sure to click like. If you didn't, I'm not quite sure what you're doing here. However, we will see you guys next week for another podcast. See you guys then.